Oh, would you look at that? There's a new episode of the Blackcast on my phone, ready to play right now. Welcome to the Blackcast. Yes, Blackcast 460, which if you count, this is our seventh new episode in eight days. And I'll let you know a little secret. We've got one more new one that you'll be able to hear tomorrow before we let things slow down a little bit. We'll talk about all of that a little bit later. But for this episode, we've got not one, not two, but actually three musician interviews. First up, we've got Patrick Allen Stone of the band Butterside. Then, in a little bit, we'll talk to musician Des Money about a new song he has and the passing of his father, the great Eddie Money. Then, we'll close out our week-long celebration of musician and musician interviews with Vinnie Dombrowski of the band Sponge. He also has a new project called The Lucid. But first... Joining me now is musician Patrick Allen Stone, whose band Butterside has a fantastic song out now called Voices. You can find the video for it on the Butterside YouTube channel, B-U-D-D-E-R-S-I-D-E. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Oh, thanks, man. You totally you set me up perfectly. Nobody spells it out right. You know, there you did it. Good job. <laughs> well, because, you know, I mean, uh, if you say Butterside, uh, they could think of it the way you have it spelled or they could think of, you know, I always remember the old Dr. Seuss book, The Butter Battle Book. So it yep. could be, you know, a reference to that. But uh, there's a there's a lot to talk about. But I, I feel like we need to start sort of at the at the focal point for the band. It was oh, yeah. originally signed to Motorhead Music by the great Lemmy Kilmeister, uh, which is the perfect place to start because you had previously worked for the great Lemmy. So talk a little bit about Lemmy. Yeah, I was super grateful and um, truly blessed to have had the opportunity to have gotten to be friends with all of those guys. And then the, the opportunity to uh, tour and, and tech for them just kind of fell on my lap one day. And of course, I, I took the chance and went out with them and we had, you know, lots of fun, lots of uh, lots of memories, man. Um, but they've they've always pushed me and my my music, you know, um, they would stop by my my place and listen to my demos as I was recording back in the, in the back of the house there. And uh, they really encouraged me to write. And, you know, Lemmy would take every opportunity he could to sit down with his lyrics and my lyrics and we would share. And again, just completely surreal. Um, you know, it's, it's not until now. It's I, I pinch myself more now and like try to remind myself that it was all real because it was completely out of this world. But um, but yeah, when I finally got the, uh, the courage to go into the studio and record my own music, they got behind me 110 uh, percent. Let me put me in the studio with Paul, his son, and we produced the first record and off we went. 
Yeah, I can see that uh, sort of working both ways where it's, uh, you know, it's intimidating to have uh, Lemmy around. But then at the same time, it's like if he thinks it's good enough that we should uh, sit down in the studio, that's kind of a great vote of confidence. You know, uh, interesting that we're talking because just a weekend before last, uh, I was uh, at the Rainbow, which was uh, everybody knows was the Rainbow Bar and Grill was uh, Lemmy's second home. I was there to meet up with uh, Don Jameson, the comedian from that metal show. And of course... Uh we took a picture with, there's a Lemmy statue there now. And uh, it, it's so great because, uh, you know, people that went there during Lemmy's lifetime, you would find Lemmy there most of the time. You know, he was actually there, what, playing video poker and stuff like that. And uh, it's great that we still have this institution. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because the event I went there for was uh, Steven Adler's band played. And, uh, and uh, Adler has said about your band, a real rock band ha that has the guts to deliver hard rock. So uh, I think that's great because, you know, look, uh, you know, probably almost everybody watching has uh, has appetite for destruction somewhere in their house, probably right. like me, multiple different formats. And uh, to get endorsements from somebody like Adler and then also to have Lemmy and the guys be so hands-on, just kind of talk about, you know, before you even get to the actual music, just having people that really appreciate what you do. Yeah, it's funny. We were just in the studio with uh, our, our producer. We went back to record a few more songs, uh, like like the new batch, like the like voices. Uh, we we went back to that same producer, but he said something that was really cool. And he 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 was like, I don't remember exactly what the phrase was, but he he kind of he said, "How can you put others above you if you ever want to be better than them or as good as them?" You know. But um, I've been blessed enough. Like when it comes to Stephen Adler and Lemmy, guys like that aren't they're not they're not going to twist you and turn your emotions and your, you know, they're, they're not trying, they're not trying to put themselves on pedestals. Lemmy was just the most real and authentic guy. Anybody could approach him and talk to him. Talk about that rainbow corner. The funny thing is, is that wherever you went with Lemmy, that whole corner went with him. He would take slot machines or games. And it seems like every time we walked backstage, whether it was, you know, in, in Massachusetts or whether it was in, or whether it was in, you know, uh, the shrine in, in, in Los Angeles, he always had this, it looked like the corner at, at, uh, at the rainbow. You know what I mean? He loved that spot so much. He just brought the whole thing with him all the time. Jack and Coke video poker right there all the time. But, um, but yeah, Stephen Adler. Wow, um, another surreal experience. I look back at those pictures and I have to pinch myself again because I was on on my bed as a little kid, bouncing up and down, trying to sing along to Paradise City. You know what I mean? And fast forward a bunch of years and a lot of vocal lessons later, and, and pegging that that audition and getting in with Stephen and singing for him for quite some time. Again, a dream come true. And then uh, you know I've seen him go through a lot of singers and they they mistreat him and they don't they don't. They don't give him the respect that he he really deserves. You know what I mean? The guy the guy did it 110% full throttle, real rock star. You know what I mean? And uh, and the wheels came off. You know, but he's managed to, to you know somehow he got the thing to fly. He doesn't need wheels. You know what I mean? And now his career I think is taking off uh, in a in a really great direction. I love the band that he's got now. They sound amazing. They're 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 constantly playing and touring out. So um, I'm just really grateful that I've managed to keep that friendship alive. And Steven still really respects me. And we sing together and play together whenever we can. And uh, yeah, when he when he gave us that uh, that shout out for the last record, just so so appreciated. You know, just there's just well, I, I'm just full of appreciation for so many things. I'm such a grateful person. You know, just to be here, be alive, and be doing what we're doing. 
Yeah, and you know, you're talking about sort of growing up and you know, obviously listening to Guns N' Roses and you know, listening to voices and some of the band's other songs. Uh, it's apparent that uh, there's there's an appreciation for sort of the specifically, obviously rock and roll, but specifically there's a there's like a hard rock feel. It's not like this song feels dated in any way, but you can kind of feel some of the influences. Who apart from say Guns N' Roses, who were some of the bands that you, you were the most important to you? You know, even maybe when you were a kid and then when you actually started playing music, who do you feel were what probably shaped the musician you ended up trying to become? Uh, that high album cover, Angus Young, man, the way he just ran across the stage and just lit up the world. Um, I just definitely wanted to be like him, ACDC. Uh, Freddie Mercury too, the voice that just has no, nobody compares to that voice. So you know, always wanting to sing that beautifully and connect with somebody with such a great voice has always been, uh, you know, huge focus for me. I just want to be a great singer and living up to, you know, just shooting for, for that, uh, you know, is, is uh, hopefully I land somewhere in the middle, you know. But um, so those two guys. But the cool thing about the band now is that we have so many influences from so many different directions, you know. Logan is so into uh, like Bring Me the Horizon and Sam is completely influenced by Jerry Cantrell and Allison Chains and uh, you know Jeff has a lot of he has one foot in retro and one foot on you know in, in modern modern rock as well so there's just all of these influences clashing my influences Gabe's completely a Chili Peppers freak so now when we get together and we write um, it's not one-sided at all. All five of us are giving input 110% and the outcome is something that's like you just said, right there in the middle, there's, you can, you can feel the influences from so many different directions. And I think that's great. You know, I listen to like these interviews with Greta Van Fleet and they, they say that they weren't influenced by Led Zeppelin. And I don't, I don't really understand <laughs> that, but I don't think our, I don't think our sound pigeonholes us to sounding exactly like one band. Like you just said, I think we're again, just so grateful that we've, we've melted this pot and I think we're coming up with something really original now. Yeah. When it comes to Greta Fan Fleet, it's almost like you feel like there's, you know, record company people that are like, you can't say that you're influenced by Led Zeppelin. And it's like, you know, they're all kids, you know I mean? They've, they've, it's, they've been around for a few years, but they're like, well, we can't say Led Zeppelin. So we have to figure out something else, but it's just like, yeah, to embrace it. And I'm sure that it's not like all they ever did was listen to Led Zeppelin. And I loved sort of hearing, you know, you talking about the guys in the band, you know, because look, you can, there's a lot to take away from Alice in Chains and Chili Peppers, but they sure don't sound like ACDC. But if you have it all in your head and then you sit down to put the music together, that's where I think you can get a great sound. And you're sort of talking about all these bands. Uh, I was reading in the notes on the band and your band on Butterside that uh, some of the bands that uh, you've, had the opportunity to open up for uh seems like a tall order uh motorhead of course but uh slayer and anthrax and uh i feel like with slayer if like two notes in it doesn't sound good uh you're getting stuff thrown at you so talk a little bit about getting those opportunities again let me kicked open those doors being part of the motorhead uh family just um you know allowed us to walk into a realm that that only so few dream about but um you know the first the, the first taste of being on a on a bill with slayer and anthrax and those guys hate breed included too that was that was an intimidating one um but we were all on this motorboat cruise together you know what i mean and when you're all thrown on the same ship um again just the guys are so real and you know if if you're if you're welcomed in by the the people the heroes themselves then the fans kind of followed suit we I don't think we had one negative comment. I mean, I, we were just so embraced and loved and, and that was, you know, just, 
it's 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 crazy when you finally you know there I, I have had some encounters with some rock stars and stuff and people that i've looked up to that really kind of shattered my images of them and i wish i'd never met them but um but uh you know those guys weren't at slayer anthrax you know yeah and, and believe me I, i'm not i'm not looking for names but i i've worked in i worked in television for a long time and usually the people who you were disappointed it wasn't like the biggest names it wasn't like your mount rushmore stuff a lot of times it's like wait a minute this guy's a dick like who does who does this guy think he is <laughs> that he right. gets away with it whereas you know you're talking about lemmy you're talking about the guys in anthrax and slayer those guys are all great you know <laughs> and it's like you know i don't that's what i usually find but it's got to be great and especially you know one of those cruises uh i i can only imagine the uh support you would get you know it's and but there's something to be said for it you know just recently i was uh talking to an author who'd written a book about Prince and Prince did these shows where he opened for the Rolling Stones at the, at the, at not the forum at the Coliseum here in LA. And there's like 90,000 people. And like, right away, they're like, we don't like this guy and they're throwing stuff at him. And, and, you know, that's arguably one of like the, the geniuses of our century in terms right. of music. And so the idea that the band says that we like you, that's fine. You know, my mom saw Jimi Hendrix open for the monkeys and you know, she was in like high school and her and her friends are like, when is this guy playing guitar with his feet going to get off the stage? You know? <laughs> so right. it's always, it's like you have, you know, it's great to get the endorsement, but it's like, you still have to deliver, you know, and to be able to deliver to people that are patiently waiting for Slayer. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the song Voices, uh, because uh, I know from uh, just from the notes that I was given, and there's a lyric video for it, which I always find is a helpful way to listen to a song for the first time. Lyric videos don't distract you as much as, you know, the, the videos that tell little stories, and then you start to think that that must be what it's about, but you're just getting to actually see it. Uh, and uh, my understanding is that the song the lyrics uh, deal with your own personal struggles with uh, addiction and the fact that you're sober now. So talk a little bit about that and, you know, how having that for the focus of the song, you know, sort of helped shape the way that voices went. Voices. It's um, it's, it's crazy. There's a, a really deep, deep, deep meaning to this song that really scratches at some very personal things. Uh, that I was going through at the time. And music's got that crazy killer way of like forming a story and a meaning for someone uh, without knowing the true origin of where the lyrics came from. You know what I mean? A true poet can can connect with you without, it, a true poet can make you think that he's talking about you when he's reciting his poetry, his or her poetry, you know? Um, so I try to hold on to that when I'm writing a song and in this, with this song in particular, you have to promise me something that we'll get together for another interview and maybe we can really discuss the true nature and the stream underlying this song. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Uh, but it definitely fed into the, the greatness and the epicness of the song. Epicness, is that even a word? <laughs> but uh, yes, the lyric videos is so cool. I love how um, we have a great marketing team that... Uh, you know, pushed us to do this this way. And we're gonna do this with every song that we've got coming out. We've got about uh, seven more songs coming out, one every six weeks, and we're gonna do each one the same. So you really get acquainted with the words of the song, really find a relationship with the song before we release uh, the video. And we have the official video for Voices is coming out this Friday. But um, 
of course, all of my life lessons and everything that I've been through and the emotion behind why I sing the way I do definitely comes through and the band as well. All of our life experiences feed into each song and you can't help but have that perspective that you've got from all of the things I've been through to channel every phrase. But, um, but this song is, it's funny because with like spiritual violence, there was this, this huge sense of like overcoming addiction and like the power of like, I don't know, I just felt so untouchable. And so it was big victory. It seemed like a funny title for the record, spiritual violence. It almost sounds like a, you know, it sounds like a battle that's you're losing, but, uh, but it was this victory cry basically. And it's funny that now I've really settled into sobriety and I really feel like I've found my own. And, and now I think I'm even more relatable with, with anyone because now I'm really kind of, you know, questioning my own mortality and like, what am I really doing here? And trying to really make sense of it all. It's really important to me. And Voices was really, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a serenade to death, really. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a farewell to this realm and, a, um, and an invitation from the next. The voices in your head are really like these angels or maybe demons calling for you and listening to them and finding that connection with, with where you're going after this world and what are we leaving behind, you know? Yeah, and uh, our uh, video listeners are uh, seeing a little bit of the uh, the lyric video. There's uh, always these weird rules with YouTube where when you play music, you uh, start to even though I'm talking to you and it's your music, you always there's always like, wait a minute, this is you're playing music. Do you own it? And it turns into a whole thing. So uh, I'm just sort of letting people see the visual while we're talking. And again, it's Butterside, B-U-D-D-E-R-S-I-D-E, and that's where you find them on YouTube. So you're talking about how there's a, a number of songs that you're going to do sort of the same treatment with in terms of doing the lyric video. And uh, my understanding is that this will all be for a third album. Is there a, a target date for when people will get that, or it'll just sort of depend on uh, how the songs are received? Is, is the album done? Are you still working? Where are you at in terms of the third album? Uh, we've got four, four of them are mixed and mastered and we were so happy with them that we went back to the same producer to do four more. And my intention is to probably go back and do four more. I really want to deliver a 12 song record this time. I think the whole band does. Um, but we're not putting any pressure on ourselves and we're kind of allowing ourselves to be free to do our own thing. We have this plan ahead of us. Uh, we just we just really want to engage with our fans and we really want to become a worldwide presence. So the best way that we see doing that is just really kind of giving you a left and a right hook every six weeks. We're going to give you something brand new. You're going to get a different taste of uh, another story, another life lesson, another song. Uh, every every six weeks, you're going to get one from us from now on. And uh, when that finally adds up to 12, I think we'll all put them on, a, we'll put them, we'll compile them together. Maybe we'll come out with something that a little earlier that has all of them on there so you can get in on it before it's all out. Um, so there's really a little bit more of a, you know, an ener energy around like really wanting to get the record as a fan. But, uh, but we're, we're, we're kind of, we're just, we're releasing one single at a time and there's no B-sides anymore. There's no more, there's no more fillers, you know, there's no more, uh, it, every song has to really mean it. Every song has to be a, a hit, you know, every song has to really nail it. You know, we want to give every, we want, I mean, there's so much competition now. Rock and roll is on this huge wave, this huge comeback. Concerts are coming back. Um, you know, every pop artist out there, every rap artist is dying to be in a rock band right now. And it's, it's all going in this direction. 
And uh, there's just there's just so much competition out there, and there's a lot of honest musicians spilling their hearts out. So, if you want to uh, be engaged with people that matter, and, and you want to matter to people, you've really got to give them something worth it, something honest. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, stressing the importance of you know the album, obviously, you know that was such a focus in, in earlier decades, and you know you can look at you know, a, a band like Aerosmith who have, you know, these great albums from the seventies, like rocks. But even like when I was a kid, like I thought that that pump album was practically like perfect. And you were talking about guns and roses, appetite for destruction. I challenge anybody to point out the bad song on appetite. And, you know, look, you get albums uh, more recently and you do feel like the bands are, you know, the thought is really, you know, look, the, it works for some newer bands, especially to just focus on the songs. But when you can listen to it, and it doesn't have to be a concept record, that's fun once in a while. But when, you know, the artist has sequenced it, and they've actually put time into producing them, I think that that's really uh, something to appreciate. And it's, it's a lot harder to, uh, to come by, you know, the album that feels like an album, like, you know, the ones that uh, you used to get even 20, 30 years ago. So I like that uh, there's the focus on that but also this new model is really like let's get the songs out there and sort of uh, support things the other thing you said was you know the idea of, of your know, concerts uh, being back is the band getting a chance to perform live lately do you have anything coming up or is that uh, where are you at in terms of uh, actually getting to do shows yeah well we just uh, we just had a run out to Rocklahoma we played out there that was amazing our first trip out to uh, Rocklahoma uh, and we did a few shows surrounding that. So we're fresh back from, uh, you know, a little road trip. Uh, we've got the Whiskey A Go Go coming up on Monday. So we're super excited about that. And there's a few other shows on the horizon. But uh, we're really excited about this new album and what it's going to do for our kind of our genre and our 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 offers that will be coming in. We're, we're really hoping for some for some really cool acts to reach out to us. We've, we're befriending so many people in the industry right now. We're just really looking for that that solid, wonderful opportunity that's going to take us, you know, farther than, than, uh, you know, going out and beating our heads against the wall by ourselves when we're not really a famous act yet is, uh, is something we're trying to avoid right now, but uh, playing in LA and, and showing up for all of our, our friends and fan base there is just super exciting. So we're doing that on at the whiskey. On Monday at the Whiskey. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, the same weekend I was talking about that I was at the Rainbow, uh, Quiet Riot were playing at the Whiskey. So uh, I, I went over there after the fact, and you know, anybody who kind of wonders, like, hey, what's the vibe for smaller venues? You know, are people going out? Are they ready to rock? Uh, absolutely, people were. Uh, you know, and and I think Quiet Riot went on at like eleven fifteen, and uh, you know, it was a Saturday night that. Actually, it was a Sunday night, but it was Labor Day. So, you know, basically it was a Saturday night. And, uh, you know, I, I hadn't been to the whiskey in probably like two years, you know, mostly because it was closed for a lot of that time. And it's great to see everybody turning out. And uh, that's great that you guys have a show coming up there because, uh, you know, people are definitely definitely hungry for uh, for rock, you know. And I mean, there there was stuff going on all, all over town that night, you know. So uh, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, and... Shout out to Chuck Wright. It was his birthday yesterday and his last oh. performance Quiet Riot there. That that uh, that show was. Yeah, because uh, Rudy will be back in the band next year. And uh, Sam Whitfield points out playing the whiskey is always good. I mean, there's a, uh, you know, there's 
there's something very uh, special about there. First of all, you think about the history of, of that place, but it's, uh, it's just so great. You know, it's, uh, the, it's so compact, but, uh, it, it's, uh, I've, you know, seen a lot of great shows there and, uh, I'm glad to hear that you guys are going to be there. That'll be fun. So if people want to keep tabs on you, uh, you guys have a good social media game because it's just Butterside, B U D D E R S I D E Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, just look for it on YouTube because, you know, a lot of times you'll talk to a band and it's like, well, on this one, you know, we're Butter Butterside official on that one. We're Butterside music and, you know, all that. So it's a uh, one stop shopping Butterside, as I said, B-U-D-D-E-R-S-I-D-E. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing more from the, the new album. And uh, I, uh, I'm i glad we had a, a little time to talk today. And uh, I hope we get a chance to talk again soon, Patrick. Christian, thank you for having me. And this has been exciting and wonderful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And uh, check out the song Voices on their YouTube right now. Joining me now is musician Des Money, who has a new song out called Give Me All You Got from his new album that'll be available later this year. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me today, Des. I appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me on the show. Let's talk a little bit about the new song, Give It All You Got. Uh, you're creating the song. There's a, a specific uh, feeling that you're probably going with. You know, I was reading some notes from you where you talked about how while your background tends to be in rock, you really felt that this was a pop song. And then, as you said in the the quote from you, that is sort of a great uh, summertime pop song. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so with this song, you know, I, I wanted to make a feel-good song for the summer. And uh, it's like you were saying, I, I come from a rock background. And with this one, I wanted to make more of a pop song. And that guitar, that um, that's actually my dad's guitar from Two Tickets to Paradise that they recorded with. And the drum set was used on tour with my dad for over 20 years. So... Uh, we wanted to show people, you know, where we come from and also where we're going. And, uh, you know, that's that's what it's all about is showing people the money family still making music and, you know, still doing what we love and and doing it and having a great time. Yeah. And I love that, uh, you know, it highlights that guitar. And as you mentioned, you know, your father, uh, the late Eddie Money, uh, that video that is the guitar from the video. Uh, but uh, then your video, uh, I guess it also you've got a couple of your siblings in there uh, or at least working on it. Uh, so talk about yeah. how it really was a family affair doing this video. Oh, well, yeah, for sure. I, I always uh, involve my family uh, with, with my music and everything. So um, it was really special for me to have my little brother Julian in the, in the music video working with me. And uh, he's always been playing drums in the band and we've always been jamming together our whole lives and everything. And I also have my sister, Jess. Uh, she was assistant director on the video. So she was actually the one that was throwing the cash and making it rain. 
And yeah, it was actually her idea to use the guitar uh, from my from my dad's uh, you know collection. So she that was a great idea on on her part. So yeah. Right. And so in addition to writing, performing and producing the song, so you directed and edited the music video. So uh, for our video listeners, they can kind of see you right now. Uh, talk about this room that's just covered in money. You know, uh, did you create that? Were you lucky enough that somebody had a location like, oh, I got a I got a money room or how does uh, how does that? Happen? Yeah. Uh, well, there was a, I, I was, um, you know, searching uh, for different locations and and that's one that I came across and I really enjoyed the, the vibe of it. It was kind of like a trap house kind of vibe, uh, but I really liked it. You know, and I, I, once I saw the money room, I was like, all right, that's it right there. You know, it, <laughs> I thought, it, you know, it went perfect with, with, you know, who we are and, and also what the song's all about. It's, it's about just, you know, being the best version of ourselves and, you know, giving it all we got. And so, yeah, I, I, I was really happy that um, everything worked out the way it did. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, I guess what you worry about in a video like that is you're using real money. So uh, that's probably the most important job is uh, somebody keeps tabs on it. But I guess maybe that's why you use your family, you know? So yeah, yeah, totally. You don't have to worry about some production assistant. Like, I don't know what happened. Where did the where did those hundreds go? Uh, I don't right, know. Yeah. I lost them. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I, I think that it's it's great that uh, that idea to use the guitar from Two Tickets to Paradise. It's a nice thing to commemorate your dad. And I, I understand that the timing was it was just over about a year ago that we lost him. And I wanted to talk about sort of what it was like for you starting as a musician when you have the resource of somebody that had the kind of success your dad did. You know, just most most, you know, except for probably Wolfgang Van Halen, there's probably not a lot of people starting out who can be like, hey, what, what do I try to do here? You know? Right. Yeah. For me, I was always surrounded by music. So I just loved it so much because it was really the thing I was always best at doing. So it was always really my identity. You know, when I was going to school, I was the, the music kid, you know, and so that was always something I was very proud of. And I always, you know, worked as, as hard as I could to, to be the best musician I could be, be the best artist I could be. And uh, my dad helped me a lot along the way, just by showing me how to how to do it, you know, how to be a great entertainer, how to, you know, treat the fans and how to, you know, how to do everything that a rock star does, but keeping it professional at the same time. So I was really grateful to have that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's the important thing. And, you know, I think that the, there's sort of a fun thing, you know, because I was watching some of your videos on your YouTube channel and then, you know, just sort of came across, you know, you, you look at anything on YouTube, you go down a rabbit hole and there was a video from, it was from a few years ago, but it was your dad performing Take Me Home Tonight, but you and your siblings, I guess, were all on stage with him. So that must have been great that, you know, he was sharing his music with all of you and even when you were much younger and, uh -huh. uh, you know, that, I don't know, I think that uh, it's got to be great to, like you said, you're just always surrounded by music and uh, somebody that uh, obviously, you know, had that kind of success and could take you out for some shows. That must have, that must have been fun. You know, did you do it as like yeah. a really little kid or was it when you were a little bit older that you started doing stuff like that? Uh, I remember one of my first memories was I was in a drum lesson with his drummer, uh, Johnny Snyder. And, you know, I was always just, you know, completely surrounded by it. And so even when I was a little kid, I wanted to be in his band and I didn't understand at first, you know, why I couldn't be in his band. And I was only three right. years old. He's like, you, you know, you just don't, you're not professional enough. You're not, you're a little kid, you know, but as a three-year-old, I wanted to just be in his band. And, and so that was really special that I got to do that later on in life, you know, uh, after I earned, earned it, you know, I, I, before I was on tour with him, I was actually setting up the stage. I was a roadie and I would, I would set oh, up cool. and, you know, every, you know, before the show and after the show, 
So I know what goes into the show and I have so much, you know, respect for the guys that set up the stage and the, and the techs and everything that, that helped, you know, get the show going. So that was something that was really special for me too, growing up was just learning how to, you know, everything that goes behind the show. And uh, so when I was finally able to get on stage with my dad, that was really special. Yeah, no, I would imagine. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, how you guys did a, like a family reality show at one point, too. How long mm -hmm. did you do that? And what was, uh, you know, what did that teach you about, you know, suddenly your private life? Obviously, your dad was a public figure, but all of a sudden, you're, when your life's on TV, uh, what did that teach you sort of about, you know, fame? And uh, the repercussions can be. Yeah, for me, we did a couple seasons of it. And uh, at first it was a little, you know, hard to get used to because everybody would, you know, there's the crew would show up with their huge cameras in the house at like 9 a.m. first thing in the morning. And, you know, it wasn't scripted. So a lot of the times we were kind of I felt like I was having to entertain guests, but all the guests had their cameras <laughs> out, you know. Right. So, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was a little stressful at first, but as, as time went on, we saw, you know, once we started seeing the episodes and started seeing how they edit things. We're like, oh, this is actually, you know, they're, we're, we're lucky to be with a good network that, you know, really cared about us instead of one of those networks that kind of just treat the people like. Yeah, because it was on Access TV. And I mean, anybody who has Access TV, the, the you know, it, it seems like their focus really is on music and musicians, you know, exactly. and some of the some of the great stuff you can see in there. And, you know, some of the yeah, some of the uh, the reality shows they have and stuff. Uh, absolutely. So, you know, yeah. and then talking sort of about just watching the production around, you know, you were talking about how you actually directed and edited the the video, the latest video. So that must have, uh, you know, helped sort of, you know, just, you know, you hear like a director, a guy like, uh, like Ron Howard, you know, he's on happy days forever. So all you have to do is mm -hmm. just kind of watch what's happening and you're like, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So that you must've picked up, obviously you're picking up music from your dad, but then uh, just learning some of this technical stuff just from having it in your house all the time. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a good point. It's all about experience, you know, and, and uh, yeah, that's what it was. That's for me, it was just like getting comfortable with the camera and stuff like that. And it kind of took a lot quicker than I thought to, to get used to everything. And once I was used to it, it was actually not too bad. I, I really enjoyed doing the show, actually. So that was fun. Yeah. And then sort of talking about some of these technical things, you know, another uh, recent video you did was for a song called Lost. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, lost. And uh, that one has some, uh, it, it sort of looks like an old home movie, you know, right. it has some effect, yeah. like the little, like the VHS stuff and some uh -huh. of the, the flashes and stuff like that. So uh, talk about kind of going for that feel of, you know, taking it and making it look like old home movies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, actually giving people that aesthetic from that video. Yeah, well, with that song, I wanted it to be like somebody found like, like a lost VHS and then put it in the VCR and, and then that's what played. So I, I kind of wanted to go for that kind of vibe. And so, um, yeah, it was really important for me to, to kind of like go over those effects. And uh, it was a lot of fun to like go through the transitions and, and make it kind of old school looking and, uh, you know, make it look like an old, you know, VHS. And so, yeah, I had a lot of fun making this one. This one we made in about uh, just one day with, with the same crew. So I got my yeah. friends, it's, it's a pretty small crew, but, um, we get, we get it done and, and we have a lot of fun when we make stuff happen. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, again, our, our video listeners can see a little of it, but all this stuff is uh, on your YouTube page. And then you mm -hmm. have a, there's another recent video for a song called Trippin' and that seems to have just that. I don't know. I was watching that. I'm like, this just must've been fun. Like, Oh, let's go for like really weird, you know, trippy effects and yeah. stuff all along the way. So, I mean, you know, it just looks like, 
And that's kind of the beauty of the way technology is now. You know, you're talking about how you don't have a huge budget and it's, you know, just making it with friends, but it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, you know, I'm sure that if uh, somewhere, you know, there's uh, budgets from music videos your dad did uh, back in the 80s, you know, when <laughs> when record companies spent a fortune on them, mm -hmm. you know, and, and now it's like, well, you could have something that looks better than that that you made on your iPhone, you know, yeah. so it's uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about it in that way. But uh, talk about the uh, the tripping video that I don't know, to me, it just looked like like this must have been fun to put that together. Yeah, the tripping video was great. I, I the same crew as as these other two videos. And we just went out to Joshua Tree, and, and I have a buddy who's got a place out there. So we spent the day out there, and uh, we were kind of just, you know, we found different spots that we were just driving past, and we are like, oh, let's get out of the car and film here. And that's kind of how we filmed the, the Lost video as well. It's like we found spots that we thought would look good, and then we would just get, get out and shoot in different places. And then uh, there was a lot of footage for me to go over when I was editing it, but it was a lot of fun. And with Trippin', I was going for more of like a Beatles kind of vibe, you know, sure, yellow green. And uh, so the animators I work with are the ones that I've worked with on my all of my lyric videos that I've released. And they just did such a great job. They, they totally understood my vision. And, you know, once I said Yellow Submarine, they're like, all right, cool, we got it. And so, yeah, yeah. It was, I love that transitions into the cartoon world, uh, you know, <laughs> when, the, when the bridge hits. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it's funny now that you mentioned Yellow Submarine. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, the YouTube channel, uh, as with uh, much of your social media, is uh, Des Money Music. And mm -hmm. uh, D E Z M O N E Y. Uh, it's uh, it seems apparent, but we want to make sure that uh, we get the word out there uh, as it yeah. were. So uh, your your debut album came out in 2015, and then you had another album called Blue last year. So you've done a few songs for this album. What's what's mm -hmm. the plan? Is there you know is, do you have a date circled on the calendar? Although not literally, because I'm sure it's like on your phone. But you know, do you have like a like this is when we want to put it out, or it's like let's see how we you know a few more songs do. What is the plan for the new album? Uh, I'm still going over it. I, I might release uh, another single or two before releasing mm -hmm. the album, but the album is already ready to go. And so I'm hoping, you know, early next year, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's ready to go. And uh, yeah, really excited to share it with everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, part of the the sharing is, of course, being able to go out and do some live shows. Uh, where well, where are you at with that right now? Have you done any lately? Are you, uh, you know, because there's, there's tons of bands that are out there right now. You have a lot of bands who plan on being out there. And then they're like, you know what, we'll wait till next year. And then, you know, everything in between, you know, you'll have a few bands who just do some festivals and stuff where they, uh, right. they feel that they can get it in. So what's, uh, what are you looking at right now in terms of doing live shows? I think we're going to just start with something small and, you know, play it safe and play everything by ear. Uh, probably just something around here, you know, Southern California, maybe do like a little small tour around here. Uh, you know, just smaller, smaller club venues and stuff like that before, you know, we figure out what's going on with everything. And yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, that's kind of the the thing that's easy to do. It's I, I live in LA. So it's like, yeah, it, you know, most of the year, if you want to do a show outside somewhere, you can, you know, and I think a lot of people are, happier to go to stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's not like there aren't shows at the, the whiskey and the Roxy and all those places too. So right. it's all, it's all just sort of figuring out what the performers are comfortable with and, and what people are. And, uh, you know, I think that people are very excited for getting live music. So it's however you can do it, you know, I mean, exactly. I, yeah. 
I've been to, you know, I went to see some bands at Dodger Stadium and that's huge outside. So it's like everybody seems to feel pretty good there. And, you know, the amphitheaters and all that. So this is this is the time for it. And then, you know, in other parts of the country, it's like, well, you can't be doing, you know, out probably like a month from now is like what's Mm -hmm. like, well, we're not going to do some outside shows like near the beach in New York. So it's probably good to kind of, you know, plan that around this part of the country to see how it goes uh, in terms of getting the album uh, out there. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we've got about three songs now. And so you're saying you, you might do one more, but it, it's all finished. Uh, are you, are you sitting on the name of what the album will be? Is it, uh, is it all a part of a big release or, uh, I mean, uh, I'm sure you all, know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's all, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys later, but yeah, at the moment it's kind of a secret. Yeah. No, that's good. You know, just, uh, yeah. just keep the focus on the, the new song and the video right now. Give me all you got, which mm-hmm. is, we mentioned you did, uh, you know, you did all that work for it, uh, yourself and you had the family and, uh, you know, your dad's guitar, which is a very cool thing to have in there. So as I mentioned, your social media does money. Uh, and then uh, the, there's the website is always easy. You know, some people still like to Google a website, desmoney.com. Right, yeah. but, then, but then Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of that is Des Money Music. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's uh, plenty of stuff on there. There's the three videos I referenced, but uh, you've got some acoustic versions and some uh, songs from some of your earlier albums. So like I said, you can uh, end up, you're getting lost in the YouTube rabbit hole, as, uh, as I mentioned, you know, and and it didn't take long before I like the video I saw, I think with your dad and you and your siblings performance from like six years ago, you know? So it's oh, yeah. like, you just click three right. times and you're like, what am I even, somebody like had filmed it, you know, at like a fair or something. And I'm like, well, this yeah. is cool. Yeah. So, it's definitely a journey. Uh, it was like being on tour with my dad and he has such great fans. And I was, I was really happy that he was, he shared his, his fans with me because they're really, a really great fan base. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you always, and, and, you know, when people, uh, you know, when, when he passed and just in general, when people talk about your dad, they, there's, you know, usually like a variation on this story that I've heard this, uh, this guy on, uh, on serious, a lot of people know who he is. Uh, Eddie trunk talked about interviewing your dad and that your dad came and they filmed an interview, but he like bought pizza for like everybody in the crew. He's like, come on, everybody sit down. And, you know, and it's just like, that sounds that's just like a, a guy's guy, you know, and uh, let's let's just say that not everyone who gets interviewed for, you know, VH1, MTV or whatever, not everybody's going to show up with pizza. Let's say that yeah. that's rare. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want to name any names, but uh, it's great. It's great when you hear stuff like that, you know, yeah, and, uh, somebody that you just admire from afar is a great guy. And obviously, look, you know, you guys did that reality show that you mentioned. So you have some of the the best, most professional looking like home videos you could ever have of your family. So that's uh, got to be great to look back on. And uh, obviously the, the experience uh, you shared with him uh, was terrific. I'm sure. Well, uh, I love the new song and uh, I look forward to hearing more. I mean, I liked all those songs that I heard, but uh, the, the big focus right now is what we want everybody to uh, pay attention to, which is give it all you got. And uh, like I said, they can find everything Des money music, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Des, I really appreciate you taking some time to chat with me today. Uh, it's, uh, it was great to get to know you, and I look forward to uh, hearing more when the album's out. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It was great talking to you. All right. Thanks again. And that was Des Money, D-E-Z-M-O-N-E-Y, as I mentioned. Thanks again. Oh, you know what? There's a question in the chat. Let's just, even though I just wrapped it up, but uh, Kenny oh. Egan had a great question. I don't want to leave 
leave yeah. the uh, audience out. So besides your father, who are your other musical influences? I'm glad I saw that right before I clicked off. But uh, Kami, you can ask, yeah, besides your father, who are your other musical influences? I have a lot of influences, uh, but my, my parents were always huge Beatles fans and they always listened to the Beatles, Prince, Michael Jackson, you know, the Eagles as well. Uh, but I also grew up with like Radiohead, Jeff Buckley, Smashing Pumpkins, Nirvana, you know, a lot of the 90s artists that I loved so much. So, yeah, those are well, some it's of great. It's artists. great. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you have those artists, but then the ones you're talking about obviously would have influenced a lot of a lot of them, you know, and. Mm -hmm. And God, when you talk about Prince, like just like a week or two ago, I interviewed somebody who'd written a book about Prince and just, I had read this book and you're just like, the amount of music that was in that guy's head. And it wasn't yeah. all like, you know, it, it didn't, it, it just, it was so different, you know, and you can listen to a Prince album and it go any different direction. So I think that's great. Well, thank you for the question, Cam Egan. And, and uh, Des, thanks for, <laughs> thanks for sticking around for the extra minute. I had oh, said goodbye sure. and I'm like, wait, but uh, Des Money, D-E-Z-M-O-N-E-Y dot com and des money music social media thanks again des i really appreciate Thank it you. Joining me now is musician Vinny Dombrowski, who you probably know from his band Sponge, but he's also part of a great new band called The Lucid. They have a song out called Maggot Wind, and we're going to talk to him about that and a lot more. Thanks for joining us today, Vinny. Good to see you. Good to speak with you, Christian. Uh, reading up on you, you started playing drums when you were 13, and you grew up in Detroit. So obviously, we've had so much great just music in general, but specifically so much great rock music. Uh, I'm sort of wondering, what was it that you heard growing up there and what was it about the drums? You know, was it a specific drummer or was it just the fact that it was the loudest instrument you could find? Um, you know, I, I do think that um, going to see um, a concert at a local mall, like when they used to have open air malls and they closed them all in, then they opened them up again. But um, the Count Basie Orchestra, my dad was a uh, big jazz fan and he took me and my brother to see the count basie orchestra so i can't recall who was playing drums with count basie that day but it was ex yeah extremely loud powerful you know the, just the impact of the kick drum was just stunning even for a uh, big band and uh, you know you would kind of 
consider that the rock music was the loudest thing on earth, but the big band at that time was just like crushing. So that definitely turned me on and then anything loud, you know, my dad also played guitar. So there was always a guitar around the house and we loved to sit and, you know, knock out chords and even write songs at, at that early age. Yeah, no, I mean, that uh, absolutely makes sense. And, you know, when you talk about sort of the big band sound, it's, you know, the sheer number of musicians could probably just drown out, you know, a rock band with like, you know, three guys with some amps plugged in. So I, I never really thought of it that way. But as soon as you said it, it's like, yeah, but there there could be like 12 of them on stage. So, oh, man, yeah, when they're hitting hard, they're hitting all the, yeah. the right time. It's just insanely powerful. Uh, and, uh, you know, reading up on you, it seemed like, you know, some of your influences obviously are, uh, you know, characterized as being, you know, products of that, that area, that era, uh, you know, reading about the MC5, the Stooges. Uh, and uh, conveniently enough, I forgot this was in your notes, but uh, I am wearing an uh, Alice Cooper shirt today because it's uh, Halloween time. So uh, I just saw that in some of the lists. So what was, uh, was it just seeing bands live? Was it, uh, was there a local radio station? Was, you know, what, how did you f start discovering some of these bands that became big influences? Yeah. Local radio uh, was, was vital to that, to learning about new, new bands for sure. Uh, one station in particular back in the day was WABX. Um, there was another station called uh, uh, The Riff, you know, that was uh, doing late night. Peter Worby was doing late night, I think, on The Riff back then. So you had these just incredible bands that had this, you know, this format of, of rock radio back then. It was absolutely, uh, absolutely stunning. Alice Cooper back then. Uh, you know, on the radio, CKLW, not to mention my older sister bringing home like Billion Dollar Babies record, which to me was, you know, it's just one of the all time great records. And then eventually yeah. a record like, um, you know, Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, you're talking about an era where obviously you know, the the albums were so great. I mean, you're still talking about, you know, you just mentioned two of them and, uh, you know, and a lot of times when I'm talking to musicians, uh, Toys in the Attic and Rocks, two Aerosmith albums always come out. And it's like a great, you know, even a good album back then, there wasn't a song that you were like, well, I guess that's there just to kind of fill out the runtime, you know, like you had at least like 10 great songs on everything. And I think that's sort of, it has nothing to do with the way that we have the delivery system of music now. I think bands really kind of got away from that in a lot of different ways. But I'm excited to hear more from The Lucid, which is uh, you and uh, David Alfson, who obviously everybody knows from his time with Megadeth, and he's been on the show a couple of times. He's great. And uh, I think that uh, and there's a couple other guys. So talk about how The Lucid comes about, how, how you knew any of the guys and uh, how you got involved in the project. It was just simply an email, and that email came from Drew Fortier, who um, was playing guitar with Bang, Bang Tango, and um, it came not to my personal email because it was I have no manager, you know, and I thought, well, if anything official comes to me, maybe it would come to me through my agent or something like that, but this came through the uh, Sponge the Band website, the general email, and I'm going, this is, this is weird, you know, this guy is asking me about uh, maybe doing some co-writing and it could have been anybody, you know, just like any person that uh, has some ambition about writing with anybody asking me to write. And uh, 
at first I really didn't know who was in the group at all. Um, and then they backed off for a second. They were like, nah, it sounds too much like Sponge. We'll pass. I go, well, send me the stuff anyway. They sent me some songs, and then I found out who they were. I started reading you know, the email a little bit further, and um, lo and behold, Mike Haller, David Alveson, and, of course, Drew Fortier. And we started from there. Yeah, and uh, so the album is self-titled. It'll be available October 15th, and uh, people can find out and pre-order uh, lucidofficial.com. And uh, you can also find that on Facebook when Facebook is actually working and uh, Twitter, the lucid underscore band. Uh, I had to write that out. So, you know, you can, but you go to the website, uh, you'll be able to find everything. And it's interesting what you were saying, sort of compared to, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, your work with sponge, uh, it is very different. And I I've only heard two songs from it. Uh, but uh, we'll talk some about that a little bit, but I don't, think that I would describe this sound as using the word metal, uh, even with, you know, having the guy from Megadeth on it, but some of the song titles, just three in particular, they were some of the most, uh, metal sounding song titles, uh, song titles I'd seen in a while. Deaths of despair, pigs and Sp and sons, but especially parade of spit. If, if there is, if there isn't anything more metal metal than uh, parade of spit, uh, but the uh, the two songs, there's a couple of songs out now. The one that I've heard is The Damned, which is uh, or it's just called Damned, has a very catchy, uh, very catchy uh, uh, chorus, I guess, is the best way to put it. And of course, Maggot Wind is the big one out now. So talk about actually making the album and sort of collaborating with these guys. It seemed like you didn't know them at all. Right. It was really that email is what started it. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And making this record. And I underscore record, you, you touched on a great point, which was going all the way back to the days of Aerosmith with the rocks and uh, get your wings record. And by the way, you know, who wouldn't give the right arm to put Joe Perry and Steven Tyler in a room together under the old circumstances and how they used to do things to make one last record, maybe like rocks. You know what I mean? I just go, yeah. wouldn't that be great? So what we're talking about with the lucid fast forward is, is, is it take not a, you know, people, other people can pick the singles in my humble opinion and people, I guess, have, and I go, that's great. But to me, it's about the totality. It's the whole record. It's the whole group of songs that you might hear damned on the radio, or you might hear um, maggot wind on the radio, but make no mistake. You're going to want to listen to the whole damn record. And, and I think that's why to me, there's no, like, you know, b-side there's no like album track to me they're all just like really strong songs and whether they go to radio or not to me is that's not that's not my concern so to have a song called pray to spit you know i'm not necessarily worried about it uh being palatable for radio <laughs> no no and and i mean i i i sort of didn't even think of it in that way it's just sort of i love the turn of phrase you know and i don't know anything about those songs just the two that i mentioned maggot wind maggot yeah. wind and damned but yeah. uh, those are both out there on on youtube and uh, as i mentioned the album self-titled it'll be available pre-order october 15th uh, everywhere that i mentioned but uh, lucidofficial.com and uh was this made at a time where you guys were able to get in the studio, did everybody work separately? Was it a mix and match of, of sending stuff and then also some studio work or, you know, how did it get put together? Cause I've talked to bands where everybody in the band is together 
And then I've talked to bands where no one was ever together at any point, uh, at, you know, anything that was made in the last year and a half. So, you know, it seems like there's a lot of different ways to go about doing this in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was like that. It was, you know, the band, well, it was previous, one of the previous ways you described, which is the band doing things on our own. But we did get together at Mike Heller's studio in um, Los Angeles for a couple of days uh, while David was cutting his bass track. So Mike Heller, being an incredible drummer, he's also a great producer. So he kind of like was the quarterback as far as like what takes got recorded uh, and what eventually was kept to go on to get mixed. So yeah, we all got together for a few days in LA when uh, David was doing his bass parts. Um, but I was cutting all my vocals uh, at home outside of Detroit and um, I'd send Mike a bunch of stuff and he he would, you know, instruct me as to what, uh, you know, he wanted to hear something double, the harmony, maybe a better performance. So, you know, I was game to whatever because uh, I think he helped me up my game. Um, so I think Drew was doing something very similar, which was uh, remotely recording guitar. And uh, in terms of, you know, you have a band like this, uh, obviously it could go a couple of ways, you know, every once in a while, everybody could, uh, you know, try and uh, do some more material together, or I guess it could also be sort of more of a band where, you know, I mean, everybody's got other work that they're doing as well, but is there any plan to take these songs out on the road and do some live shows? Or uh, is that uh, remain to be seen? Or is it uh, some somewhere in the middle between all that? Well, the plan, I've been told that, you know, the idea is to go out in 2022 and start doing some shows. So, Great. you know, I would assume like soft ticket things. Um, the boys were talking about doing some, you know, rock cruises and things like that. Whether we're doing, <laughs> sure. I doubt we would go out and do a club tour, to be quite frank. It's just like I go to clubs. We've all done that. That's a lot of fun. But uh, I would think that folks would see us as a support act for um, another major group or on the road with another major group that was talking about going to Europe. So all those things are possible, but not until 2022. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of times, you know, you'll have bands who do side projects or sometimes they have to start a new band for a whole variety of reasons. And when club tours become the uh, only option, a lot of times, you know, it's like, oh, that's not as much fun. Like, you know, a great example is uh, Vivian Campbell has that band Last in Line, you know, that's uh, basically, uh, you know, came, it grew out of sort of the remains of Dio. And then, you know, so he'll he'll be doing shows with uh, Def Leppard one night and then uh, he'll fly somewhere and then, you know, on his own time and then do that. And then you have the sort of the other side where there's that band, the, the Dead Daisies, where the guy who runs the thing is independently wealthy. So he's like, I don't care if we're playing clubs. I, we're going to fly on my plane. We're going to stay at nice hotels. And I think that most bands don't get to do that, you know? And I think that when you can go out and play, you know, it, it's if you could go out and, and do a gig, you know, you could do gigs with sponge and, uh, you know, it, be more comfortable. I can see like, well, I don't know if I want to do that, but getting paired up, uh, with, you know, on a big tour, I think, uh, it had the two songs I've heard. It seems like, uh, you know, it really could get paired up with a lot of different kinds of bands. You know what I mean? It's not like, Oh, this is a metal band. This could only go out, you know, this could go with a lot of, it could go with some bands on that level, but also just, you know, a lot of different styles of rock. I think, you know, it would pair well with it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Uh, 
Sponge is one of those bands that plays. One minute we're doing support for uh, a larger band, and we're and then we're turning around and going to play a club. So I love I do love playing clubs. I just can't imagine the loose that uh, going out there and slugging it out in clubs. You know, I think there's a lot of meat on the bone as far as experience collectively, and uh, the music sure. kind of justifies us going and uh, playing some support role someplace. You know, that, that's what I think. I mean, I never believe in that's uh, you know just pass go and collect a hundred bucks that kind of thing i think that you always got to pay your dues but i think of course of us yeah. individually our dues i go maybe that means something maybe it doesn't people go lucid yeah. you got to go play in a club for 25 people for 60 bucks i don't know <laughs> yeah you know there's that there's that legendary story about uh zz top when they were first starting out and they were playing and there was one guy in the crowd and he was so uncomfortable he was going to leave. But they said, no, please stick around, like hang out. And they like kept in touch with that guy for the course of 50 years. You know, it was like, thanks for hanging in there, you know. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you play for one guy and uh, it, it you get rewarded for it. Uh, I got a comment in the chat from, uh, it says, Rock Dance Theater. Hi, Vin. Cheers and congrats on the Lucid album, Kick Ass. And that's uh, some devil horns and some fire. So uh, that seems like, uh, you know. It, it, that's a, that's somebody that's very happy. If you get that many devil horns and that much fire. Um, well, I uh, look forward to hearing more. Uh, and again, it's uh, lucidofficial.com. Uh, I wanted to talk to you for a few more minutes. I know that earlier this year, uh, Sponge put out uh, a new album, uh, Lavatorium, which I hope I said right. Uh, and you can always find out more at spongetheband.com. Uh, and I guess if somebody wants to co-write with you, that is one way to find you, but, uh, it's probably not the best way to find you, <laughs> but, uh, spongetheband.com. Uh, and I think it's interesting because, you know, you look and it seems like, you know, uh, sponge seems to still do albums every few years. And you'll talk to a band, you know, you mentioned how it'd be great to get Aerosmith to do one more album. That is a band that doesn't seem interested in making new music. Uh, and then you have others. You know, I talked to the I, I, I talked to one of the guys in Night Ranger just like a month or so ago. And, you know, they're excited to just keep putting out new albums. It seems like there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Uh, is it one of those things that's just important to you? Like, oh, I've got all these ideas in my head. I want to put them out and you hope that somebody finds it. But if not, you know, uh, it's not real. You're not really putting it out there with the hopes of like, well, this, you know, this is going to sell X number of copies. It's more the expression or what is it to you that makes you still record music at this point? Uh, for the reason that I started recording in the first place, who would have thought? in a climate back in the day where, where like alternative rock radio was just a baby and um, rock radio for the most part was still playing ACDC, Zeppelin, these uh, Aerosmith, I've looked, you know, all those bands, but we got a song like, you know, Plowed. You go, well, it, Plowed doesn't sound like ACDC and neither did Molly, but, you know, we didn't write those songs for radio. Not at all. It was never the intent to write for radio. We just writing songs. So write, writing is such an important thing uh, for me. I just continue to do it, write and record. We recorded our first record, Riding Pinata, on our own dime. We were just like, we're just gonna record. And we were recording. So before Sony even got involved with us, we were halfway through with the record. Then they got involved with us. So it's, it's like, no matter what, I always got to record, you know, and I love doing that. And I'm one of those guys that, you know, I got several different projects, uh, alt, alt country, uh, 
uh, outlaw country projects. And just a couple of weeks ago, we were playing for two people in a beer tent, two. And it was probably one of the most fun shows I've had in a long time. So I just go, why do we do what we do? We do it because we love doing it. And that's about it. So, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that uh, personally, I uh, I always like to hear from artists that I've liked for a long time because I'm like, yeah, well, what where are they at right now? And what is what's coming out of their head at the moment? And, you know, what sounds, what sounds live in their head, you know? And then I think that it, it's great to, be able to hear and I look I think most bands know that uh you know I always use the example of uh, there was one time this goes this is like almost 30 years ago but I saw the Steve Miller band open and he did you know there's that uh, greatest hit 74 to 78 that like pretty much everybody has so he did that album he snuck in one new song in the middle and then we're right back to you know big old jet airliner or something I'm like yeah I think that that's probably what people look for your average concert goer when they're going and, you know, they, they were opening for the Grateful Dead. So it's like people weren't there for Steve Miller, you know? So I think that uh, right. I understand how a lot of bands, you know, you'll have a band like Iron Maiden that they'll go out and be like, yeah, we're going to do the whole new album and, uh, you know, you're going to come anyway. So, but I think most bands are pretty cognizant of that. You know, I've talked to a lot of musicians who it's like, yeah, we're good for maybe one or two new songs. Uh, do you find that there's challenges in that of, you know, how much new stuff do you sprinkle in there? Or is it uh, is it really just depends on the day? And you know what? I'm feeling three or four new ones today. Well, I mean, we got a ton of music from like the sponge, the nine studio sponge records. We sure. got a ton of stuff play from those records. There's really only a handful of radio songs. There's Plowed, Molly, Wax, Ecstatic, Have You Seen Mary, you know, yeah. Raining in My House. And I think Nina Menasha was our first single, but it didn't really chart that high. So we made a video, it was our, that was our first offering to radio. So, and the rest of the, you know, hour and a half set or whatever it is, it's stuff that's from, you know, the other, uh six albums seven albums or so so it's like we we want to play new music we got to play new music it's what we yeah. do and the fans really the fans over the years they expect us to offer them something new man they will grumble they show up <laughs> and we take the request we started making set lists over the last couple of years you know yeah. like we actually have a set other than that we were just working off of the request and we don't rehearse that much so you know we get up there and we can find our way through some of the you know, deep cuts, but I mean, we try to play what they want us to play. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, I think it, uh, it's reminding me of a conversation I had last year with, I think, you know, a band that had sort of a, a very similar, you know, a, a couple albums in, in the middle of their career that were really big and continued to make music. I talked to Dave Perner from Soul Asylum, and obviously they have a couple of huge yeah. radio hits, but also a ton of albums. Yeah. And he said to me yeah. that, you know, when it comes to Runaway Train, sometimes he'll ask the audience and usually they'll say, yes, they want it. But every once in a while, they're like, nah, play something else. And he's like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's like, this is the, this is going to be, this is going to probably be a more fun show. And it's like, you know, look, you realize you have those songs that people are there to see, you know, imagine going to see kiss and they don't play rock and roll all night at the end. You're like, what, what happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I think, you know, but yeah, when you, like you're saying, if you get to play for an hour and a half, it's great. You know, I mean, I think that, uh, you have a lot of bands, you know, that'll go out. A good example is the the band Tesla. They'll be like third on like a bill of three bands and they get like 35 minutes. So it's like, well, you have like five songs people want to hear you play. 
is one of them going to be your new song? You know, maybe, you know, but I think when you're getting to do bigger headline shows, uh, you know, you're able to, you know, and, and, you know, hits is a relative term, but obviously in your case, these are all actual radio hits, but you have the songs like, yeah, people expect to hear these songs, but if they're coming to see you, I would say that most people that buy a ticket to a band, they're not like, well, I'm only going for these five songs, you know? So. Oh man, that would be, yeah, that would be just a, a sad thing. Cause we have a lot invested in the fans and the fans have a lot sure. invested in us basically, you know? And, uh, they know that, they're, they're not coming they're for the hit tunes. They have such great requests, man. You know, it's things we wouldn't think of playing that we go, oh, man, let's give that away. Back, you know, like uh, we have a song that we recorded during the first album called Cowboy Eyes. And people know that as a B-side. I don't know how they know it, but they request it. And then other people learn about that song and they love this tune. You know what I mean? Because we can actually still play and sing the damn thing, which is great. So it's like some people, though, will play Molly early on in the set and some people get there a little late and halfway through the set they're going to play molly and i'll say well you know what we're going to play molly again for that guy that was late you know what i mean we don't even mind playing the hits twice if we got it you know <laughs> yeah right exactly it's uh it reminds me there's a there's a episode of the simpsons where homer goes to see bachman turner overdrive and he's yelling for taking care of business uh yeah. and they're like oh we'll get there and he's like no play it now and then they start to play it he's like no go to the working overtime part you know it's like he just wanted the chorus <laughs> you know and i think uh you know it's interesting what you said about playing it earlier in the set yeah you know, we're talking about alice cooper before and i remember there was a tour where he started with schools out and sometimes I wonder, like, yeah. do bands do that because they're like, look, we got it out of the way. So it's like, if you want to leave at some point, that's fine. We already gave you the the one that you want. But uh, I think it, I think it's fun to have that kind of interaction sometimes, you know, with the crowd. I mean, this is has to be going back more than twenty years. But uh, that that band, Presidents of the United States of America, they had uh, two huge yep. monster albums, but they also had a really obscure uh, seven inch, a song that was called "Fuck California." And on, ironically, I live in California now, but I thought that the song was great, so I I like yelled it out, and they're like, "Really? Somebody?" It's like it's like, "Well, we're in New York, so we might as well play it." But uh, you know, <laughs> and th- the idea. I don't think anybody was excited to hear it in that venue except me. But I'm like, wow, I I like I got that in there you know because i knew something so you were talking about that b-side and it's probably whoever convinced you guys to play it was like i can't believe i have this moment you know that i get this song that uh, i've always wanted to hear or whatever you know <laughs> oh yeah it, it's a creep for us though too because when you look at the 90 or so songs that we actually recorded on an album sure we don't remember i mean we we know the song <laughs> but we don't remember to play it in a set so somebody comes up with a good suggestion and we can actually pull it up. It's kind of cool, you know, because it's like rediscovering something that we hadn't touched on in a long time. And we get a kick out of it, as long as we don't butcher it too bad, you know. And by the way, Alice Cooper opening up with schools about, to me, I go, wow. I mean, when you think about what the light show is doing and, and the presentation of the band, what song would be better than to open with? It makes me want to open up a sponge show with schools out. Well, if that happens, uh, uh, make sure you, uh, you you put it out there because uh, I would like to see that. If, if you guys are going to open with Schools Out, uh, I'll make sure that uh, I take the trip out there. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about in terms of Sponge, uh, I, I was reminded just – the you know the timing of when those albums came out you know the 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 first the two 
big. I, I almost said first. Is Rotting Pinata the first album? I don't want to call it the first album if it isn't. Uh, yes, that's correct. Okay, so yeah, and uh, the fact so that timing, it, it, it whatever your label was, it, it clearly got it into a few movies, and I was just remembering that it's in some of like the most like the biggest I don't know cult movies of the '90s, The Craft, Chasing Amy, Mallrats, and Empire Records. You know, at least, you know, oh, I was yeah. in like college at that point. And those were like, I don't know, those are movies that I think friends that I have from that time, those movies still all come up. Now, is that just a simple matter of like, oh, a record company works that and you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Because I, I don't think that you recorded new songs for any of those movies, right? No, we didn't record anything specific. Yeah. I think that, uh, I, I take that back. I think in um, The Craft, we recorded a song. They asked that they asked us to record a song for that movie, oh, cool. you know. So specifically for that, but other than that, no, no, no. We were just uh, uh, asked to contribute a song, and and you know we were like, great, that's cool, we'll do that. But you know, like Molly Ringwald being in the Molly video wasn't cool to us back then, which I thought was stupid. Looking back, I go, we should have had Molly Ringwald in the Molly video. Yeah, but at the moment, it just probably felt like, you know, like a terrible idea. But uh, that's funny. Yeah, that's I mean, definitely one of those ones where you look back. Yeah. I, I just didn't go like two years ago, Sponge was playing on uh, the Ever, um, I'm sorry, the Summerland tour with Everclear. And we were playing at Steel Stacks. And then, like, literally a couple blocks away at a casino, Alice and Chains were playing. So Sponge had the early slot on Summerland. And, uh, we called the fellas to put us on the list to go see the Alice in Chains show. So after the show, you know, we're just talking about, God, you know, 20 years ago, would we, any of us considered playing a casino? And the answer would have been no. The answer was no. But the, we're all yeah. just laughing and going, God, the casino's treating us so great. But back then, you know, you're going, casino, no way. Molly Ringwald in a video, no way. That's just cheesy, man. So, you know, <laughs> would you, you'd rather play CBGBs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. It's, uh, although now CBGB's, I think, is a Chase Bank. So uh, it would be tough to uh, actually play there at this point. Although you never know. Maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe Debbie Harry will do something there, you know, for, for she'll, she'll sing a song for Chase. But uh, yeah, and the thing about those casino gigs, too, is, uh, you know, clearly that's all business. You know, no support act. You go on at eight o'clock, you're off at like nine fifteen, and then you know, you let everybody out into the uh into the casino. I've seen some great shows at uh, casinos. They're always very punctual, you know. But uh and and yeah, I mean I've heard from plenty of musicians well, yeah. that uh they're you know that they pay well because uh hey, you know that uh the, the the casino is doing well. There's a lot of money coming in every day. Uh well, oh, Vinny, yeah. it's yeah, Vinny, it's been great to uh, get to chat with you. I really look forward to hearing more from the lucid. And uh, the uh, I had it a second ago. Let's see the lucid. Uh, well, yeah. So the lucid official, just lucidofficial.com. That's what's throwing me off because it's the lucid underscore band on Twitter and just lucid official and sponge the band.com to uh, keep track of sponge, especially for when they might start a show with uh, schools out some sometime in the near future. Ooh, but yeah. Vinny, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, thanks for chatting. And uh, like I said, I look forward to hearing more uh, from the Lucid in the very near future. Well, this was great, Christian. Thank you for your time. Totally dynamite. See you. Absolutely.
Thanks again. Uh, and thanks again to Vinny Dombrowski. As I mentioned, you check out the Lucid self-titled album on October 15th. And that, friends, uh, concludes what has admittedly been an ambitious project, bringing our audio listeners brand new musician interviews every day for this past week. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. But more than that, I hope you had the time to check out some of the great new music that we talked about and you were able to check it out for yourself. Now, we will be back for even more new Blackcast. If you want to watch it live on our YouTube channel tonight, Monday, October 4th at 9 p.m. Pacific time. That's midnight Eastern. It'll be our annual Blackcast Major League Baseball playoff preview with our old friend Salman and, of course, America's sweetheart, Melissa Weinstein. Then in the weeks ahead, we'll have some movie reviews for Venom, Let There Be Carnage, James Bond, No Time to Die, and The Sopranos prequel, Many Saints of Newark, which, spoiler alert, was just awful, like unbelievably terrible. All that is coming up over the next couple of weeks, so please subscribe to the Blackcast on your platform of choice. Also subscribe to the Blackcast YouTube channel, like the Blackcast on Facebook, follow at Blackcast, go to Blackcast.com, and we will see you next time on the Blackcast.